Hi guys, welcome back to my so-called midlife podcast. I am Jennifer and this is episode 69. Update. I'm getting ready for my trip to Las Vegas. Um, I think I am set, but you know when you know you're you're doing something, you're planning for it, and in my case, I've been planning for it for months now. And you think you have everything set, but yet there's still that anxiety in the background that tells you like you're forgetting something, or you're gonna miss something, or you know. I told you guys before, I'm not a great flyer. I'm not afraid to fly. I'm fine once I'm on the plane. It's like getting to the plane that for me is the most anxiety inducing. So, you know, I'm like, and then I've got like this other stuff at work and I'm trying to do as much as I can before I leave so that, uh, you know, while I'm gone, if they should run into any issues, they, you know, are able to work them out or hopefully they won't run into any issues because I have completed everything that I needed to complete. And I was talking to my boss about it this week and I, I, I'm getting so stressed that I am going to forget something, but, uh, I mean, there's there's only so much I can do. It is going to get to the point where it's like, okay, I'm out of time. I mean, it is what it is. And whatever I have done, you know, in work and packing and, you know, preparing for the trip, that's it. Like, there's no more time. And I just keep going over and over, like, the, the stuff I need to bring and what's in the suitcase. And, you know, I'm also, I've added another <laughs> worry to my list because I told you guys I've become, you know, the old lady in the neighborhood who feels feeds the stray cats. I'm worried about them while I'm gone because nobody is doing it. I'm the only one doing it. There's three of them now. And okay, so <laughs> I've created, I am, there is, I think I might be going nuts, but there is this um, storyline I have created in my head with the three cats. So originally it started with this black cat, looks almost exactly like Oliver. So I, in my mind, that's a male. Then he started bringing around this smaller gray cat and she's so cute and she's really sweet. Like she is more willing to come close to me um, than the black cat is. And, and then while she eats, he won't eat. He like stands guard while she eats. And if I approach them or go, you know, near them or whatever, he gives me like the death stare. But recently, he's been coming around with this other cat. Like in the morning, the little sweet gray cat is with him. But if he comes back in the afternoon, he's got this other gray cat. Now, this one is like um, really a beautiful cat. And, and in my mind, again, it's a female. She's, she's a little bit bigger than the morning gray cat. She's fluffy. She's uh, lighter gray and she's not striped white, but she's kind of got some white hair, um, you know, like mixed in, you know, it's, she's 
beautiful and she's got blue eyes. Really, really pretty. In my mind, this is the mistress. This is the one because he is not, he does not stand guard. They eat at the same time. He has a much more like relaxed <laughs> uh, attitude with the afternoon cat than he does with the morning cat. And the two grays, the two females are never together. I've only seen them together once and they clearly do not like each other. Like one time I saw the, the, the morning cat, the sweet one morning gray eating and here comes sauntering in afternoon gray and she saw morning gray and she froze and you saw her kind of like trying to figure out how hungry she actually was and if it was worth it to come up to the bowl and eventually she just kind of turned and walked away. And I was like, oh, Afternoon Gray knows her place, knows she does not belong there. It was interesting. Oh, and in addition to the three, whatever they don't eat during the day, I now have a possum that comes by in the evening and finishes up whatever is left in the bowl. And let me tell you, I hate possums. I mean, I'm I'm really afraid of them. I I know people tell me like they're sweet and they're this and they're that. I don't care. They don't look sweet. They look very threatening. I am kind of losing that fear a little bit. I watch him at night when he eats and he seems timid. I don't know. I'm not approaching him. That's for sure. But I guess I don't really mind if he finishes off whatever's left. I mean, I'm a city girl. As long as it's not a rat, right? I, I don't care. You know, if the cats have their fill and there's some left and the possum comes and eat it. Okay, whatever. I won't. I won't take the bowl in at night. I'll, I'll leave it for the scary ugly, threatening possum. And I've got like my rundown of things that I need to do. I think I'm in pretty good shape. You know, honestly, until I'm sitting on the plane, uh, I'll, I'll be worried that I've forgotten something or whatever. Mm. But, but despite all that, I'm very much <laughs> looking forward to the trip. TV podcast recommendations. The podcast I'm listening to this week isn't new. Uh, it's one that I heard about a while back. And for whatever reason, I just never started listening to it. It's called How Did This Get Made? It's hosted by Paul Shear, uh, Jason Manzukis, and June Diane Raphael, Raphael, who is actually the wife of Paul Shear. She's also one of the daughters in Grace and Frankie on Netflix. Very, very funny. Like really super dry, kind of sarcastic sense of humor. She's really funny. And basically the three of them review and talk about bad movies that they've seen. It's really funny. There's a ton of episodes out. You don't have to listen to them in order. They vary in length. New ones come out weekly. And you definitely do not have had to watch the film or even 
be familiar with the film to enjoy what they're saying about it because they're so funny. Um, and I am deep into my Christmas movie watching. I have a set of, of you know, movies that I watch every year of Christmas and I started it already. I watched Elf the other day. Um, a couple of days later, I watched Polar Express. I love this movie. It is so beautiful. Like just visually, it is so beautiful. I love that movie. And I used to get, you guys know I don't have cable and I would kind of at Christmas time is the only time I regret not having cable just because I'm missing the 25 days of Christmas, which used to be on ABC Family. But I think it's honestly, I'm not sure. I think it's called Freeform now. But I was searching the web the other day and I found that a lot of the shows that are on the 25 days of Christmas are available on other streaming apps. So I can still watch them and I can watch them when I want, like not when ABC Family or Freeform or whatever is telling me I need to watch them. And so I found uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town and I watched that the other day. I still need to find A Year Without a Christmas, no, A Year Without a Santa and Rudolph. And and then everything else I'll be able to to watch somewhere else. I also watched A Boy Called Christmas on Netflix. This is based on a book by Matt Haig. It's the story of a boy who eventually becomes Santa Claus. It's really cute. It's, it's funny because it very much reminded me of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And if you guys remember like the, I don't know, it's stop motion animation, but I think they're clay figures of like the young Kris Kringle. That's exactly what the boy in A Boy Called Christmas looks like. Like he's got that same kind of red hair, you know, like combed to the side and it falls over his forehead and those gigantic blue eyes. The movie was very sweet. I liked it. It was good. And I did cave and I got a subscription to the Hallmark Movie Channel. It's $5 a month. I'll probably cancel it after December, but for right now, I'm loving it. There were 41 new holiday movies that came out just for this year. Are they all great? Absolutely not. But even the bad ones are good background sort of napping content. You know, I, I, oh, I know it's corny. I love love holiday movies. I love how they all have to have like certain key elements. You know, it's basically the same storyline, you know, maybe like the, the, the roles are reversed in man and woman, but it's basically the same storyline from movie to movie, just a different setting. But I still love them. For me, if they can make this many and they're that popular, even being the same storyline, it means the formula works, right? And if you don't want to pay for a subscription, but you do love Christmas movies, I found an app called Christmas Plus. It's a free app and it is all holiday movies all the time. Now they do have commercials. That's why it's free. But if you are looking for a place that has like 
classics like Miracle on 34th Street or the original A Christmas Carol from the, the 30s, you can find it there. But you'll also find newer stuff like I watched one called 12 Days of Christmas Eve with Molly Shannon and Steven Weber, and that was really good. So there's a free app out there if you don't want to pay for, you know, Hallmark movie channel. All right, guys, now that you're all caught up on my week, let's get into this week's topic. We're back. So I told you guys that I am anxious about my upcoming trip. And some of that has to do with like, you know, just the the preparations involved. But there is another part that is causing anxiety, and it is being around my family. And I don't, the best way I can describe it is when I am around my family, I feel five years old again. It's like I fall back into that same dynamic that I had, you know, growing up in in the house where we were all raised. And there is something in me where suddenly I feel very insignificant. I feel ugly. I feel um, like I don't have a right to speak my opinions or that my opinions somehow don't matter or are not um, important or intelligent enough. You know, I, I feel dismissed. And, and I, I need to be very clear when I say this is not coming from anything external. This is nothing my family is doing. This is all my internal interpretation of what is happening around me. And so because of this, because of these feelings of inadequacy, I usually will just hang out with my nieces and nephews. I I won't When my dad was alive, I would, you know, go off with him. But, you know, since my dad died, I kind of go off with my nieces and nephews because I feel like at least if I say something dumb around them, like, you know, it's a joke. Like it's not, you know, nobody will hold it against me. I don't feel like this um, pressure to say something important or significant, you know, I can just kind of be silly. I don't know. I I feel more accepted with my nieces and nephews than I do when I am around my sisters and my mom. Because once again, I feel five years old. I feel like I don't, like I don't have a voice or that I shouldn't show that I have a voice. I I, I apologize. I, I'm kind of working this out in my head at the same time that I'm talking to you. So if it sounds scattered, it's because the thoughts in my brain are scattered. But growing up, my role, or as I saw it growing up, my role in the house was either peacekeeper or court jester. And if neither of those worked, 
then I would just remove myself, you know, either emotionally or physically. And I would, you know, just go off and do my own thing. And that's still kind of what happens today when I'm around my family. I feel this need to like, keep things light, keep things happy, keep everybody laughing, you know, no arguing, no chaos, no tension. And if it doesn't work, I'm out of there. You know, if I can't put on a performance that will ease everyone's tension, well, then hell with you, I'm leaving. And I've done that my whole life, not just with my family, but like in every social interaction. And it needs to be a pattern that I break now at 50. I, I don't I don't want this to continue. The other day, my sister called me and we had a really, really nice conversation. And we both just kind of, I think for the first time, confessed our feelings about being around the family. And it was just such a beautifully honest and open conversation. There was no judgment. There was no anger. There was no hurt. And, you know, the more accepting she was of what I was saying, the more it allowed me to be more open and more honest and let more come out, like just years of these feelings of inadequacy and, you know, and then and the same for her, like she was able to open up to me. And I think this might have been the first time that she and I have been able to interact in this way. And it was so nice. And when we got off the phone, I was feeling so much better about being around my family because one, I realized that, you know, my feelings are unfounded. There, there, there's, there's no one thinks about me the way I think they think about me, you know? So that was nice to hear, but also like just being able to kind of express all of my, um, all of the things that I was feeling anxious about just made me feel so much more relieved. And I know now that when I do see them, I'm not going to be like, you know, this stress ball. I, I can be more me. And, you know, just as you and I have talked about in the past, when you are more authentic, it opens up the people to be more authentic with you. And an honest exchange is a deeper connection. And isn't that all we ever want with anyone? You know, family, friends, stranger, we're all looking to make that connection. And look, I'm, I, I'm lucky. I'm really lucky that for the most part, my sisters and I have always been close. Even when times weren't so great, I always knew that no matter what, if I needed them, they would be there. But what ends up happening is that in the past, because of these feelings of inadequacy, when I, you know, I would like, at the end of the visit, I would end up feeling kind of 
off because I knew like the entire visit, I wasn't being genuine. You know, like I said, I know this is me. This is my fault. I'm afraid of recreating our childhood dynamics. I'm so afraid of it that I go to my default of, you know, just surface, everything is great, you know, don't don't express any real feelings. But at this time of year when families are planning to gather together for the holidays, you might be feeling a little bit anxious too. Because it can be hard to develop a healthy adult relationships with your siblings and even your parents if you're still locked into whatever family dynamic you were raised in. So if you're like me and you're thinking, okay, I want this to be different this year. The first thing you have to do is acknowledge that your childhood wasn't perfect. Your parents made mistakes and you and your siblings suffered the consequences of those mistakes. This isn't about blaming. It's just a starting point to your recovery. You can't work on improving yourself if you don't admit that you're struggling. While I was researching for this week's topic, I kept finding articles with titles like how to tell if your family is dysfunctional or toxic family dynamics. And I was like, whoa, I know we weren't perfect, but toxic? I mean, that seems a little extreme. But then I had to take a step back and figure out why are these are the words like dysfunctional, toxic, why are they triggering me? It's like when I first went to counseling after my marriage ended, I went with the intention of trying to work through everything I was feeling and, you know, why I did the things I did at my marriage. But the counselor kept using the word victim, as in she was calling me a victim. And I instantly bristled against that because, hey, I am nobody's victim. I am a strong, independent woman, not some hapless, witless, timid mouse. How dare you? There was no second session. But the truth is, I was a victim, not only of the things that happened in my marriage, but of the circumstances around why I got married in the first place. And those had nothing to do with my ex-husband. I hated feeling that way, but I had to sit in it and be truthful when I looked at everything, not only what happened to me, but what caused it and what brought me to the part I played in the ending of my marriage. And not only that, the part in why we were so bad for each other. If ever there were two people who should have never gotten married, it was us. And I realized what the counselor was trying to do was to get me to acknowledge that things happened to me and I played a large part in why they happened. And maybe if I had gone back for more sessions, we could have gotten there. It's okay to say I was the victim of whatever it was that happened in my life. I just couldn't stay there. I had to admit it and then ask myself, what are you going to do about it? Your family dynamic plays a significant role in not only how you see yourself, but also how you interact with others as an adult. 
Growing up, I never felt like I could really say anything when I, you know, was not feeling great, if I was sad, if I was feeling anxious or worried. Talking about our feelings, it just wasn't something we did. So I hid them or I dismissed them or I ignored them. I had this feeling of, you know, everyone's dealing with something. I don't want to burden them with my dumb stuff. Everyone else's stuff just seemed more important or more valid than mine. Remember, I was the youngest. I felt that my feelings and opinions didn't carry the weight of my older siblings with more life experience. Like, what the hell did I know? So I learned to push my feelings aside. The truth was, we were all dealing with something. I just didn't understand that what I was dealing with was just as important and impactful, or that I was creating a lifelong pattern of dismissing my feelings. I was well into my 40s before I realized that maybe, maybe what I had to say did hold some value. Until you face the fact that your family dynamic may not have been the healthiest, and really so few of ours were, it'll continue to affect every single adult relationship you have. When I finally put my guard down and decided to just read some of the articles I found, despite, you know, their triggering titles, instead of bristling and dismissing, I found one called Understanding Unhealthy Relationship Patterns in Families. The article said, Our family of origin provides the foundation for attachment style, communication patterns, negotiating needs, boundaries in relationships, emotional regulation, and self-worth. At times, parents and caregivers may not understand that certain family dynamics aren't healthy or do not have the tools to address these patterns. However, it is helpful to understand the impact of unhealthy patterns on one's own life. Because I dismissed my feelings and opinions as a child, I became an adult who believed my feelings and opinions weren't valid. Children in dysfunctional families don't learn how to notice, value, and attend to their own feelings. Instead, their focus is on noticing and managing other people's feelings. Some children become highly attuned to how their parents are behaving so that they can try to avoid their wrath which means they grow into adults who are much more in tune to other people's emotions and they learn to suppress their own. In general, there are three rules in a dysfunctional family. Don't talk, don't trust, and don't feel. Don't talk ensures that the family never has to confront the dysfunction. Can't have a problem if you never talk about it. Don't trust, keeps the family isolated and perpetuates the fear that if you ask for help, something bad will happen. Don't feel, keeps you safe from the pain. Gradually, as an adult, somewhere around 40, I started to think that maybe I could speak intelligently about things and maybe even my advice could help someone. But then I'd be around my family and I would fall right back into my old ways of thinking. I don't want to do this this time. I want it to be different, more honest, more me as I am today in my everyday life and not the child I was growing up. It can be hard to be a changed person when you're around your family. 
siblings have a way of putting you back into your place when you're feeling, you know, a little too big for your britches. You may feel you need their permission or seal of approval on the new you, but you don't. The permission and the willingness to change comes from you and you alone. Trust yourself. No one knows what's best for you better than you. When you start working on and improving yourself, don't be surprised if not everyone in your family is thrilled with the new you. But don't let this deter you. This doesn't have anything to do with you. Mind your business and keep moving forward. They'll come around, or maybe they won't. I know you already know this, but you might need to be reminded, especially at this time of year. Your value and your worth is not based on anyone else's opinion of you. Anyone, and I mean anyone, who cannot support you and who are threatened by your growth the people who can't even see that you are growing don't deserve your time and energy. If the relationship is unhealthy and beyond repair, move on. It is time to break the cycle. As you work on yourself, don't fall into the trap that you can change someone else. Just as you had to face your issues and work on them in your own time, so do they. You can only control your own actions and reactions. For so many years, I balked at the idea of dysfunctional families or trauma or toxic interactions. Obviously, there are degrees of dysfunction within families. I knew my family wasn't perfect, but I also knew that there were so many families going through so much worse. They were the dysfunctional families. We were just slightly irregular, you know, like the stuff you find in the discount bins. Not perfect, but still good. It wasn't until I faced the truth of my childhood and my family dynamics that I was able to see the truth. And in seeing it, I could change it. A lot of people hope that once they leave home, they will leave their family and childhood problems behind. But many find that they experience similar problems, as well as similar feelings and relationship patterns long after they have left the family environment. We don't really talk about our feelings growing up. We don't really talk about our feelings today within my family. And this was just because of the family dynamic. Like, you know, and I think also a product of the times For people my age, children are raised to be seen and not heard. And that was just the parenting style as well. I I remember one time I was talking to my father about something that he had done that upset me. And my grandmother, his mother, overheard what I was saying and said, Boy, you sure have a lot to say for someone not even old enough to know what they're talking about. I believe that was the last time. I expressed my feelings in front of her. But thankfully, times have changed. Parenting styles have changed. I think parents these days understand the importance of allowing their children to express their feelings. I think a correction has been made. Some might call it an overcorrection, but that is a discussion for another day. If you find yourself slipping back into your old patterns when you're around your family this holiday season, don't be too hard on yourself. Change takes time. It's not always a straight road between who you were and who you are becoming. 
identifying unhealthy patterns in family relationships can be hard, especially if you carried those patterns into your adult relationships outside of your family. Some unhealthy family patterns that you may have experienced are things like poor communication skills, lack of intimacy, sibling rivalry, overly critical parents, or unstable or unpredictable home environments. You can't change someone else, and you definitely can't change your past, but you can choose to do something different today. Communicate honestly with your family and set boundaries where you need to. If you feel yourself getting overwhelmed, take a break, go for a walk, or just go home. It takes time to break a dysfunctional family pattern, but identifying and overcoming unhealthy relationship behaviors can help you pivot into a healthy adult relationship with your siblings. And one last thing. Remember, family doesn't just mean the one you were born into. Family can be the people you choose to have in your life, your friends, your partner, anyone who loves you and supports you, who celebrates your wins and comforts you when you're down. If you're feeling apprehensive about holiday visits with family, here's a few things that can help you prepare. If you know that one family member, you know, the one that always gets under your skin and you know they're going to be there, prepare yourself emotionally beforehand know what's coming. It's the same stuff every year. It's that sort of emotionally insensitive comment they always make. Decide this year you're not going to take the bait. While you're at the event, take time to check in with yourself. Are your shoulders up around your ears? If so, maybe now's a good time to take the dog for a walk. Look for ways where you can take a break or just call it a night. If someone says something particularly insensitive or obnoxious, Take a beat before you respond, and better yet, don't respond at all. It'll send the message that you're not going to participate in the drama this year. Or if things just generally start going south, resist the urge to fix it. It's not your job, and likely beyond the scope of your skills. And for God's sakes, don't be like me. Don't be a people pleaser. Stay true to who you are and who you are becoming no matter how difficult the situation may be. Most important, don't lose your empathy. It doesn't mean you condone their behavior, but it will give you some perspective. Of course, if your relationship with your family member is painful or abusive, consider whether or not you even want to maintain contact with this person. Sometimes the healthiest thing you can do is to put some distance between the two of you rather than trying to maintain an unhealthy relationship. Learning how to cope with difficult family relationships or navigate challenging family dynamics will benefit you in the long run. Not only will it help ease the tension when you're with your family, it will teach you how to deal with people and other interactions which will improve all of your relationships. Above all, and probably most important, always extend grace. You're working on you, and it's taken time to become the person you are today. Allow your family that same time. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap up this week's episode. 
Thanks so much for coming back for episode 69. Don't forget, join the Facebook group, My So-Called Midlife Podcast, and like the Facebook page, My So-Called Midlife Podcast. Join me on Instagram at JennyJoy316. If you like the podcast, tell your friends and then tell them to listen because that's the important part. If you have questions or email, questions or topic suggestions, you can email me at my so-called midlife podcast at gmail.com. Also, guys, just quickly wanted to remind you that I will be out of town, so there will be no episode next week on December 16th because I just want to be with my family. But there will be one on Christmas Eve of Eve, a.k.a. December 23rd, and I will let you know how the trip went. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Until next time, love you. Bye. Thank you.